0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode thirteen of Here We Go Again Israeli Politics. It's bar mitzvah time. Budget debates underway and the Knesset goes on a super long vacation. Reforms and taxes. The good, the bad, and the stupid. This is Here We Go Again. So before we get
1: to the budgetary and policy debates of this week, as per our, the name of the episode, we want to get to an event that an event that happened in the Knesset this week uh, with the uh, replacement speaker of the Knesset. And uh, why don't
0: you explain to us a little bit what happened Yotan? Okay, so first of all, the, the characters that we're speaking of are, are two characters. The one is Ahmed Tibi, which is the Arab a very well-known Arab politician that's been in the Knesset for many, many, many years. Um, and the second one is Itamar Ben-Gvir, um, also a very well-known character, but only we came into the Knesset this time. A, uh, a very a right-wing uh, uh, character from, does he live in Hebron? No.
1: No, he lives in, um, in Zakhir Shalom. He lives in, in East Jerusalem. In
0: East Jerusalem um, very pro-Hebron, pro, uh, you know, the uh, uh, different ultra-wing, uh, right-wing organizations. Um, and he has been chosen for the Knesset this, uh, this last past round. So th- what happened was, the story was, as ben was mentioning, Ahmed Tibi was sitting as the uh, replacement to the Speaker of the House. We've discussed in a couple episodes back the way it works. So there's the Speaker of the House, which is, you know, the head of Parliament, and he runs the Knesset. Um, but because, obviously, he's not there at all hours of the day, there are from some from the opposition, some from the coalition, different members that sit as a replacement of the Speaker of the House. And they basically run the uh, parliament for that amount of time uh, uh, while he's not there. So, Ahmed Tibi has actually been in this position for many, many years. He's done this in many uh, Knessets. He's been uh, a replacement to the Speaker of the House. And at this point, he was really sitting as the uh, uh, Speaker of the House on the top uh, and the head of the Knesset. So what happened was that Itamar Ben-Gvir, uh, the Knesset member, got up to speak. And as he got up to speak, he uh, uh, turns to uh, When you When you begin to speak, there's etiquette that, that is done, that you start and you say, you know, uh, in the, how do you say, Kvodha? Uh, so, uh, with respect to the speaker, uh, Mr. Right. Speaker, Right, you go through, depending on who's in the room, you say with respect to the speaker. If the president happens to be in the house, you say with respect to the president. If the prime minister's there, you, you usually would also say, you know, with respect to the prime minister, even if you agree or disagree with, with his political views, it Is the decorum that you do when you begin speaking in the Knesset. And he, be, uh, what happens is that uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir turns to Ahmed Tibi, which was sitting says, um with and with, says, uh, um, he says, with respect to the speaker, okay, which basically means he didn't open up with a term called Adoni, which is like sir, okay, which is respected to come and say, Sir, the speaker of the house. I know it's not like accurate English, but that would be the translation to what you would say in Hebrew. Um, and he just skipped saying sir, which is a respectful way to speak it, and said just the, the, the speaker of the house. Um, Ahmetibi did not like this event, and then he said, Say sir, he didn't disagree to say sir, we're going to skip forward to the situation. Ended up, he ended up. Uh, uh, kicking A. Tamar off of the stand and removing him from the stand. He had to be dragged off the stand by yes. security. Now, this became a very, very dirty event. Security came, he was fighting with them. They were screaming. It looked very, very bad. And, and it comes to the debate of the issue of, of, of what is the situation and who was right and wrong here. Now, there's two separate uh, uh, spectrums to discuss this on to know. One is the question of legality. And the second one is the, is the question of respect and decorum. I'm going to start with the le- legal side. Legally speaking, Itamar ben is correct. Okay, Itamar ben the the right wing that did, that did not say sir, to the speaker of the house is legally correct, and he did not does not have to say it. It's not written in any law, and he was and he should not and he was not allowed to be removed from a legal perspective. And it's important to mention here that
1: he is a very talented lawyer who also is very aware of the law, um, having. Uh, been in many cases um such as these and he would whilst being removed from the podium
0: he was shouting show me where it says this in the law it doesn't say this in the law okay so that's one side the other side of this would come and say is, is the side of really respecting the way you should act in humanity and i'm sorry in this situation he was just wrong okay Itzamar mark Van acted disrespectfully to, to a member which you can come and say, and this is a statement we've made before and I'm sure you'll, you'll stretch on it. You know, there's the debate whether or not Ahmed Tibi, the Arab uh, a politician, which is in not, there's no issue with the fact that he's an Arab politician. There's an the issue with the fact that he's against the state of Israel and consistently attacks the state of and Israel. And is supports terrorism. It supports terror and, and acts against the, the IDF. You know, so I, I can, we can discuss the question of whether or not he should be allowed to be a Knesset member at all. But once legally he was allowed to become a Knesset member. He is a Knesset member like any other member, and he deserves the same treatment and the same respect of any other Knesset member until you decide to maybe remove him from the Knesset. But that's not an option that is that's on the table right now. And therefore, I think that he acted incorrectly. Now, does that mean that TB was allowed to remove him from the stand? No, because legally Ethan Baranivir was right, even though I think he shouldn't have done it because it was a very clear racist act by Itamar Bengvir against Ahmed Tibi. Now, to be to be clear with my wording here for things, it's not racist just purely as it being an Arab. It's racist for being an Arab that is, uh, supports terrorists and um, is against the state of Israel. So, um, let's just go over before we get to the particular matter of this case.
1: Uh, this has happened a few times in the past. Um, uh, another uh, uh, member of the current coalition um, who is... Uh, Ze'ev Elkin um, uh, was removed um, in tw- the twenty first of October, two thousand fifteen, by Ahmed Tibi um, because he blamed Ahmed Tibi for the um, uh, terrorist attacks at the time, um, and he was said and, and they were saying it's inappropriate language for the Keset and he was removed, um, and part of the languages, part of um, the resentment at the time was saying this is what happens if um, these Arab parties become in power. Um, another time that a politician was removed from the podium <coughs> was actually Ahmad Tibi himself, who was removed, had to be forcibly removed. Um, he was the last person to be forcibly removed. This was also uh, a, uh, a while ago. Um, he was removed because that the uh, speaker of the house at the time claimed that his time was up, and Ahmed Tibi refused to uh, yield. Uh, the okay, floor, but pe- people are removed from the podium all the time for tactical it's, reasons It's usually not in such a big It's not, emotion usually, it's and, not you know, usually It's also not usually by a show of force They're usually requested
0: to move, remove and they leave Right So the one, the one thing I have which, which I do want to debate with you Is, is the question of You know The statement that E.T.R. Bangveer says is I know the law and the law doesn't say I have to Okay On the one hand I agree with him You know I'm a law abiding citizen I believe in the law and that's true but it's almost something ironic when it's a Knesset member, as in a lawmaker, they're in charge of laws, and he's using laws to his own benefit, yes. you know? But, you know, if I'm ever pulled over by a cop, I'd come and say, you know, or for, I'm just, you know, let me think of an example of something where, like, obviously it's disrespectful, obviously you shouldn't do it, but, you know, there wasn't a law passed, right? I, I don't know, you were caught walking around and peeing on the side of the road, okay? cop actually, comes over. Actually, a law No, I that. said, I know. But I was trying to give an example that everyone would, would agree that, like, you know, it's not a respectful thing to do. But let's say the law does not say I'm not allowed to, right? So I, as a simple citizen, could turn to the cop and say, you, as a cop, which is, from, my, from a perspective, part of the government, part of, you know, the, the, the lawmakers, I could say, there's no law saying this. You could say all I want that is disrespectful, but if there's no law, I can do it. You're right. But if I'm the person that makes the laws... It's almost like, I'm not saying you can't get away with it, but like, if you're, like, imagine I'm peeing, but oh, I'm also the decision maker if I can pee. But the law says I'm allowed to. Okay, but you're the person who makes the law. So if it's a disrespectful thing, you should either A, make it a law that's disrespectful, or still don't do it yourself because you're the reason that you're allowed to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but I
1: disagree. Because you're right, there is no law against it. And maybe he even proposed such a law. But up until the point where a law is passed, he is allowed to do such a thing. And you know what? Because that the other side wouldn't necessarily agree to pass this, or even him, then yes, he is obliged to do it because that's the rules of the game. He's allowed wait, to. That doesn't make it right. And yes, it does. Because it's not... Because the, he is held accountable to the voter. Because if if they do not like his actions, or if they do not agree, or if they want this law, for example, that you're not allowed to do this on the phone in the case it passed, then that is... Uh, then he then is held accountable to the, the voters that being said he has c- completely corrected his statement that just because something is a norm or that is the practice it, you do not that does not give you legal authority over him that I agree there is the law and that is it that I agree Too far, and I think that I should it. be in
0: trouble for kicking him out of the stand because that is not the legal move I just think that he should be publicly bashed for, for acting the way he acted. Again, what he said wasn't that bad. Like no one even had such an issue that they called No, it wasn't the statement in fart. It was when he insisted on him telling him and he wouldn't do it. The, he decided not to call him sir. Agbati decided to insist on being sir, being called sir like everyone else is called. At that point, him actively saying, "I will not call you sir," to me it was was it's it's almost like picking your battles. Why do, why is this the battle you want to you want to make it? And if it is the battle, that's not my that's because not it's my a show way. of force. Okay. And he, then he was removed from the stand.
1: He was removed from the stand, but it, most likely incorrectly. But I, I think while I just go back to that. It's very important to, that we just... It needs to get into this really mindset in general. That there is laws and there is uh, customs. Customs do not have standing. Only laws should have standing and be enforceable. Just because there's a custom doesn't mean anything. And next topic. So our next topic is the uh, a law being suggested by um, the Minister of Justice, Kidon uh, Sa, um, uh, which is stating that no one who has been charged with a crime can go and be served as Prime Minister. Uh, <clears throat> now it is quite clear that this is a law that it will only affect uh, Netanyahu. Uh, and whether or not we like uh, you like Netanyahu, whether or not you think he's guilty. All of that, I believe, should be irrelevant to this case matter, to this law. Because A, I don't like the concept of making a law that will affect one person. It is also clearly meant to affect one person. And, not that notwithstanding, it is still a very bad precedent to set for um, th- this law in the first place. Because what this law pretty much says is that the police and the courts... All they need to do to remove a prime minister from power, or to remove someone they don't like from running, is just charge him. They don't need to indict him. In co- they don't need to convict him in court. He doesn't need to be found guilty. They need to open a case against him and charge him. Now, charging him could take five to ten years in Israel. All they need to do is charge him with something. It doesn't matter what, and he's officially removed from the game. He can no longer run for prime minister. And that is way too much power in, a, in an administrative state that this person specifically claimed he had issues with. That's also not forgetting that his main problem is that he hates Netanyahu. He used to work for Netanyahu. That
0: he resented him a lot. He was hurt. And that's what, really why he's doing this. So i I'm the one hand, I, I agree 100% with everything that you're saying regarding, you know, the, the, the giving the, the courts the power to just remove someone... But my question is, what is your solution? And I think we've discussed this in the past. What is your solution to the fact that, let's say, there is a a, uh, a prime minister that really actively, like, like even publicly, okay, does acts of of of, of you know crimes that are very clear and terrible crimes, and whatever set of crimes that we would both agree with, he cannot be prime minister anymore once convicted, okay? But like. What's We're mean? not discussing conviction here. No, no, no. Wait, I'm saying, I'm saying, let's say we take a set of crimes, okay? I, I'm, I'm careful. I don't want to say murder because it might be that if he committed murder, he would have to be in jail immediately until conviction. I'm not really sure how it works with that, but like, let's say, let's say the prime minister was, was caught on camera, like, everyone caught him going into a bank and stealing. $5 million from the bank, okay, in a bag and walking out. Obviously I'm giving a fictional concept, but let's, discuss, let's say, okay? Now, as you mentioned, even if there's a pure camera about it, the actual conviction process takes a long time, especially for a prime minister, okay? And my question is, how do you make sure that he doesn't continue to be prime minister for five years after he actually committed a terrible crime which needs to remove him from power? You don't. And very simply, you shouldn't.
1: It's nice that you claim that, and it's nice that there's a video. Until he is
0: proven guilty in court, he is innocent. Which means he is innocent until means, proven guilty. Which means that's it. that if you have a prime minister that caused that that actively sent. Okay, now I just had a a little more of a, a better example in my head, I believe. Okay, we went to a we're in a war and wins we Lebanon, okay. and I've and we have. Unequivocal proof. Not even about the proof. Let's say it, let's say it happened, but you don't have any proof, okay? But actually, this prime minister sent a group of soldiers to a certain place to get him something personal for himself, like you know, to go ding, and sent them to go bomb a house which was not needed to be bombed, and ended up all those soldiers, hostages, died, okay? Is that? I know these were 100%. No, if he personal gain, he sent them there to get him a PlayStation. Sure. Okay. Which. By the way, to all those listening, happened in the past, not with the Prime Minister, but with a high up commander in the army which sent people across borders to go get tahina for him. Okay, tahini actually sent soldiers, endangered their lives to get him tahini. So let's say the Prime Minister sent them to get him this food product and ended up that a group of soldiers died. That is something he needs to take responsibility for immediately. Now again, I'm not saying- You charge him in court. And that will take five years. No, so this no. Man the solution is No, so
1: the solution is in this case matter. So speaking of a democracy thriving, this leads us into our next policy decision that was again suggested by Giton Um They want to lower threshold uh, for parties to get into the Knesset to one point five percent. Just for uh, reference, it is currently at three point two five percent, which comes out to be around four mandates. Um, before we get into the debate about whether or not this is a good idea, just uh, to give a uh, measurement on the international scale, um, Israel ranks around in the middle. Uh, Holland is um, at the lowest point for a parliamentary system with 0.67%, and countries that are at the highest, like Germany, New Zealand, Slovakia, are at 5%. We tend to be around the middle. Now, Let's discuss the repercussions of lowering it before we get to the actual debate. Uh, Lowering it means that smaller and smaller parties can get into parliament. Um, The vote will be split up amongst more parties. um, And essentially uh, could give, in theory, more power to the smaller parties. Um, It also assures that the parties that are currently in the government that have a very big fear of losing their seats in the next time not passing the threshold of four mandates could in theory have a backup plan of now getting into parliament next time by passing this law. So I happen to agree with the general idea of lowering the uh, threshold for the simple reason that from from the past few years we can easily see this. It doesn't matter what the size of the smallest party is. That smallest party still holds a lot of power. Because as long as one person in that party can still vote no, can still vote to throw apart a government, as we saw with the Amina recently, it doesn't matter what, if, whether or not that, the size is 1.5% or 3.25%. On the contrary, I think it gives way to, uh, to parties to form that are more policy-based. I'm going to vote for a smaller party that's going to get my policy done. Me as an individual and people who agree with me. Not these big um, center-ish parties that want for a lot of things, or that's supposed to represent a community, but don't actually represent or forward any serious ideas. It's like the Niku, that are such a massive party that they have uh, serious libertarians and socialist communists in the same party. Um, <clears throat> it's, I, I think that lowing isn't a good idea. However, lowing it currently is bad. I think it should be set into law and not changed. I don't like that it changes in between elections when it's convenient. In the past, they changed it so as to try to kick the Arab parties out of the parliament by just low, making it above the Arab party split into a bunch of parties. So you want to make it so that none of the Arab parties could pass. And now they're trying to lower it so they can for sure get in next time. I don't like it. You should pa- pass or fail on your own merits without trying to game the system. And change the rules of the game because it's convenient for you it should be very simple on that
0: okay the idea of the uh, uh, threshold percentage of getting in right which means you need a m- minimum amount of mandates out of the 120 mandates seats in the Knesset you need a minimum is that when you lower it you give stronger power to minorities but l- we a weaker government in general okay now Israel One of its biggest issues is it's always has a weak government, which is why governments constantly fall apart because every little piece can take apart the government instead of it being uh, 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 sealed and, and done. And I think that lowering it down ends up just, you know, but obviously if you make it too high, then you have certain minorities which will not even be represented at all. Now, we've discussed in the past the problem of representation. That's the whole issue we have in our government in general. There is no representation of the populace. So you know, I would say that when you, when you want to lower the percentage, I would give two options, which would be, because again, the problem that you have sometimes lowering the percentages is that you can have, or, or raising the percentages depends both directions is that you can have multiple parties that are in the same general concept, but each kind of having the little niche that they're in. And then they could all end up falling and all their seats can be thrown in the garbage. Okay. And, and that to me is the issue. I would say that there's Two solutions to this problem, which are better than lowering the percentage, or or, or again remember to for those listening to make it oh not, uh, not complicated, lowering the amount of seats you need to get a minimum for your party to be in the Knesset, and I think that the two solutions are as follows. One which is more complicated and this we'll discuss in a different episode, is really just the idea of actually changing into representation, which means either by geographical area or by different cities in which I really can vote for the people that I know represent me and then they will get a seat. Regardless, they can even have one seat for all I care about because they're representing in a certain area. The second solution I think is more practical and it's really almost confusing to me that it doesn't exist today. Maybe you'll give me a counter for why it shouldn't exist. But to me, when I go vote and I'm a party, okay, now there's something called um, is which means an agreement of leftovers, okay? So if we both run, if we're two parties that are both right-wing parties or both left-wing parties, as I mentioned, are in general agreeing a lot of things but are have different targets, we can sign in between ourselves an agreement, a, a leftovers agreement, which means that if I ended up getting uh, seven seats, you ended up getting 11 seats, whatever it was, the leftovers between us, because it's obviously not exact, the leftover over votes will be combined together and one of us will get an extra seat on those votes. Now, it's an an interesting idea because the problem is that then I can end up voting for one party and my vote can go to another party, but it's something that I'm aware of and has to be disclosed before. It's not like they can later on decide. So when I went to vote, I understood I'm voting for, let's say, Benedict Saar, I believe, had it last time, right? So I can say I am voting for Bennett or I am voting for SAR or on on the left side, I am voting for Haavada or for Meretz. I believe they also had an agreement. And then I know that if I vote for Haavada but it ends up losing, then it's going to go to Meretz. And why am I okay with that? Because I'd still prefer for it to go to Avoda and Meretz to go to Meretz than it is to go to a right-wing party. And therefore I'm okay with that decision. What am I trying to say here? That I think that that should be done the same way but on a broader perspective. Okay, what does that mean? It was very hard for me Four elections ago, okay, but the first election in this whole cycle where Bennett and Faglin were both running. They were both overall very pretty similar parties, okay, and a lot, a lot of views, right? but had certain uh, differences. And what ended up happening is they both ended up getting three point something percent, okay, which basically means, as you mentioned, you need four seats in the government. They both got three and a half seats to be in the government, which means together they have the power of seven. But because each one didn't get to four, it was all thrown out, all of their seats were split between everyone else. And that was very hard for me because those votes should still counted. And what I would want to change and advise, and then I don't care how low or high you put the, the um, threshold rate, is that when you vote for me, I have the right as a party to say that you're voting for me and if I get my four seats, my votes again, get, and if I don't get in, all of my votes go to this other party.
1: So, there's something similar currently. Um, Some of you may remember this. Um, Before Yemina was called Yemina, it was called the Yemina Khadash, the New Right. Um, But they were afraid to not pass on their own. This is two elections ago. So, they joined with other parties to run as a quasi one party. They were not one party, they had different platforms. But it was made clear that all of their votes. We're going to coalesce together to make sure that they pass the threshold. After they pass the threshold, they were going to split up into different seats according to an agreement that was made up ahead of time. But they were still separate entities. So that was their general.
0: That's the general thing. That was another way to trick around the uh, threshold. So that that is a certain solution, but it doesn't really solve the issue because that's exactly what you're saying. Is again, I don't want to vote for the other party. I just prefer the other party then a third party, right? Than, than, a, than a party on the other side of the spectrum. So I don't want to vote for a party where the first seat is for the party I like, the second seat is for the party I don't really like, third seat it is, and then I'm automatically pushing them in. And if they get five seats, it's all split. No, I want to vote for my party and fight for them to pass. We are believer, we believe in the motion of them and we want them to pass. I know that, and if he passes, I want all of his four seats going to my party, to the party I voted for. All I'm saying is that I want it to be that if it ends up that we did not succeed in passing it, at least my votes won't be thrown out. I want that vote to be passed on to another party that's in general, in my views, even if it's not my favorite party.
1: I I hear you, and I I don't like it because – I don't like in general – I, I guess you'd call that
0: ranking balance, as I almost wish there was such a thing. I think it's it's too complicated, which is why I simplified it by the... Party so, and that's the issue. It's I too would complicated. love to be able to rank I, don't I would love to, be able to rank my first party, say uh, my first re- re- uh, request is I want this person to be. And I'm saying if he doesn't pass, second person. So it exists. It's called rank choice voting. It was just tried in New York, in
1: uh, the mayoral race. And it created a massive mess. Um, rank choice voting is incredibly complicated. It can create big issues. Uh... On, on a theoretical level, it sounds very nice, and I agree with it. Just on a very practical
0: level, it hasn't worked so well the But past. do you not agree that... I, this is why I did not advise a ranked voting thing, because I said that's too complicated. But do you agree that it's very simple? You already have agreements, as I meant, leftover agreements between parties. All I'm changing in the law is that the leftover agreements... Again, sorry to specify, people didn't understand this. The only way the leftover agreement works is if both parties pass, okay? So if you both parties get at least four, then their leftover of less than one will be transferred between each other. But if one of them doesn't pass, all their votes are thrown out. That's what's hard for me, that's it. Uh,
1: I agree, but I still think it's a better solution to try to lower the threshold whilst not doing it for just but your political But then you realize
0: game. that it, so it really, really weakens your government every other party you have in your government in your it's still the same thing it's still the same weekend with four you have the weakest but instead of having four parties where the weakest has four and a half seats and then he's able to hold it you're gonna have nine parties or even twelve parties where the weakest has two seats
1: so but that happens currently for example okay well we may discuss this in a future episode there are people that were currently just bought off as part of the government they were given to be a a minister without a actual position. It's, uh, it's called which is pretty much just a payoff. We're going to give you money in a position without an actual position so that you join the government and leave us alone. And that's the same idea. And that gets that's much one version. and that gets
0: much worse when you lower the threshold. has it been shown to
1: be that way in the past. Anyway, let's move on to the budget. So, In the coming week, the Knesset will have to decide on the budget and vote for it, well, the government more than the Knesset, and attempt to pass the budget in the coming week. Because that, out of the rules of the forming of this government, they have three months from the forming of the government to pass a budget. But, um, they go on a hiatus for two months from August 8th to October 4th. An absurd notion that they get two months off and they decide how long they get off, but that's a discussion for another time. Um... And so the, all the discussions for the budget are ramping up this week, including all of the reforms, new taxes, lowering taxes, and all the discussions. This week we're going to be going through the good first, and then the bad, and uh, dis- uh, discussing first the facts, and then seeing what we have to say about each of the reforms. And as part of how these are passed, it has to be passed as one a part of a massive omnibus package called Hawkeyes de Rhin and hok Atamot, which is um, just part of the big budget law, which is how all of these are passed, all together under one massive omnibus package that they vote for at once, which also makes passing all of these both incredibly more difficult and a lot easier at the same time, because you're kind of just forcing everyone, they get what they want, so they vote for the big bill anyway, um, ignoring what's in it. It also causes that you're passing this massive budget bill with all of these different reforms that no one's actually ever going to read because there's too many pages to it but we'll get to that later so to attempt to understand um, the first of the reforms that we want to discuss we have to mention the current state of the issue in this country Um, currently the price of vegetables and eggs and basic such products are very expensive in israel comparatively to other countries of course um for example buying uh pineapple costs 25 to um at least shekel in israel whilst in europe it costs around one pound um and vegetables have risen uh to be twice the cost um in recent years whilst the cost of making them have risen um only by 25 percent um prices have continued to rise and it that affects greatly the consumer and as part of this um government's goals Was to attempt to lower the cost of living for uh, the basic citizen. Now, the reason for most of these uh, prices are what's called um, are are certain councils. These are governmental councils um, that decide on what, um, how much of each product is allowed to be made in the country. Um, They can often decide what price it's allowed to be sold at. They decide how much is allowed to be brought in. And what's allowed to be exported, they have complete control. Um, these, also, to be clear, are not usually elected officials. Um, these aren't members of Knesset. These are unelected bureaucrats that sit in these um, different parties forever and um, they uh, sit and they decide um, pretty much the prices for everything uh, for the rest of the country. Um, and as such, uh, it has been decided as part of these reforms to get rid of these uh councils there will no longer be a council that decides how many eggs are allowed to be made in the country or how many eggs are allowed to be brought into the country you are allowed to now be able to, to import however much you how many however many vegetables at whatever price you want and then start selling them in the market thereby forcing a competition into the market uh, this is a very surprising turn for this government to take it's a very radical um shift from policies we've seen in the past. It's a very right-wing, good, capitalistic policy, um, which was not expected from a part of government that includes far left-wing advocates that truly advocate for socialism, and this is hurting their base. Um, Now, we'll discuss soon what the chances that we think that this is going to pass, but first let's just discuss the impacts of this.
0: So I think that it's not just a matter of the impacts, the, the question I want to answer is, on the one hand, I'm always pro-competition. Okay? Opening the competition, opening up import, I think that's great that it all causes everyone to lower prices. And I think that that's something that is, that is good. My question is, what if, you know, there is a statement coming and saying that it's not the, um, the actual, how do you say Farmers. The actual farmers that are upping the price. They're selling it for very cheap. But the supermarkets are the ones that are upping the prices.
1: So, I, I've seen this argument, and I've heard them on the news. This is their argument that they make. They're saying, we sell it to the supermarket for 2.5 shakal for a kilo. Uh, for any Americans, uh, a kilo is, the, is not a... Yeah.
0: 2.2 pounds, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: give or take. Uh, but not relevant. Um, point is, they sell it for around 2.5 shakal a kilo, and then it's sold in the supermarket for 14.5. So, the issue with that is, A... Not always true, the fact-wise. B, um, great. Now you can go and ask the farmer. How much does he pay for a seed? I'm assuming it's um, cents. And then he's gonna say, and then he's gonna come. What's the argument that he's gonna bring? Right no, through?
0: they work very hard. They water it. They do spend a lot of work on it. Right, That's and
1: not- they take and, and 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 they take um and 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 they take the risk. And they have other prices. And that's the same thing with the supermarket. The supermarket has to has to ship it all their country, they have to keep it cold, they have the workers, they have they, and so they have to make no money off of it. So
0: saying there's no problem with the price.
1: No. I'm saying get someone to do it for cheaper.
0: My problem is that I'm You're allowed to compete in the supermarket no, my, field. My issue is that when you when you look at it in general, so there's two let's say it's obviously a lot of pieces in between. I'm I'm simplifying it, but there are two sides, right? We said you got to 14 and a half shekels a kilo of whatever product it is, right? They're claiming we sell for two and a half shekels a kilo. So you're attacking the two and a half shekels to get that cheaper. Let's say you got it down to one shekel. It would still cost you, so it cost you 13 and a half shekels, It's even cheaper. No, now, it wouldn't. Now, again, I'm saying I don't want to get like, regardless of where the numbers actually are, okay? Let's say they're not two and a half shekels. Let's say they sell it for seven shekels a kilo from the, the farmers, and it goes up to 14 and a half shekels a kilo by the supermarket, okay? So they're doing 50-50. Now, I'm sa- I'm not saying that the farmer's good. I am, As I said, I am pro-opening, uh, importing. I'm pro-competition. All I'm saying is that I feel like it's some it's some part of like a half of the half of the job. It's like, I'm, I'm gonna lower the side that the farmers are making on it. I'm gonna cut their prices because they're being too expensive, but I'm not raising the competition in the supermarkets. If it really is that cheap, then but the supermarket should be able to sell for cheaper too. The competition
1: too. does exist. For example, when we're gonna discuss chickens, I Ami mean, mean, Levy sells chickens at a loss in Israel. Mainly because uh, they sell them to get them to the they door sell and that's vegetables the problem. at a
0: loss as well
1: it doesn't matter. I'm saying the competition exists. You can have a chicken that's like a shekel, but why are they selling it for loss? Because it's still very expensive for them to get it from the farmer. Either way, I, as a citizen who pays taxes, should not be subsidizing their lives. I, They are holding me hostage for my money. By my laws, the people that I elected are protecting them over me. They do not get to hold the general public hostage for something that is not worth it financially. And they're going to claim you're going to run them out of business. You want to be a farmer? Great. Go be in something profitable. And I'm not saying that's not farming. For example, the people of Yulcham figured out that farming was not that great down there. You know what they did? They decided to build a, a cannabis field. They are the the cannabis empire of the world for, uh, for medical cannabis. They have the best product and they release massive quantity of it. And let's not forget that most of the product that's made in Israel is exported and not sold in the country most of the good vegetables so who are they really fighting against for us to not bring in vegetables to make it cheaper for them if they want to try it then yes you compete with those european uh, um people that bring it in and you know what as part of this reform they're still going to be subsidized but they're going to be subsidized directly and not by hurting the consumer who needs it the most who's going to be the poor person who cannot afford to buy milk and eggs for his children because it is prohibitively expensive. As part of these reforms, there have been massive protests in the street. Um, And part of these protests, these are protests that are organized by these farmers. Uh, They're protesting, "You're, um, you're you're taking the food away from my table. And you're taking these big cartons of egg and they're throwing it in the middle of the road. if you don't want our food, don't eat it. Um, Just a funny side point, that uh, report came out by Channel 12 News that most of these eggs were eggs that were over the threshold that they were allowed to make in in general that year, so they had to be dumped, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But, sadly, they do appear to be having an effect. Um, The uh, Blue and White Party, um, which is mainly a party that's supported by um the 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 um and by uh by the farmers have been have given freedom to vote to their members Um uh, meretz which is also a left-wing party is mo- and, and the Avodar are also most likely giving freedom to vote meaning that the chances of this vote passing are getting slimmer and slimmer especially since although this is the dream of the right I I have a hard time seeing the right-wing parties that are in the opposition voting for this if they couldn't vote for basic votes as we've discussed in previous weeks. I agree. (laughs) Um, Another reform that's being suggested is... uh, Well, actually, it was already signed at this point. Let me rephrase that. It's actually already signed uh, by the minister, Gidon Sal. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, but we never delved into it. It's um, a a law that's called in Hebrew Shkifut Agudot Otmaniot which uh, translates um, to the transparency for non-profit Ottomanian uh, organizations. Now, what does that mean? Um, There are some organizations that predate the state of Israel, that fall under um, Ottomanian law um, from the Ottoman Empire. Um, And as such, they do not have to file for tax returns. They do not have to uh, share publicly um, where all their money goes. Now, this is a serious issue. For example, um, the Stadrut, uh which is the unions, which have been a thorn in this country for a very long time, um, when they do not have to publish to their members who are forced to pay membership, which is a whole other topic, um, which is very problematic, they do not have to publish to their members or to the public in general um, where the money goes or how much money they have. They are a very powerful organization. Almost as powerful as the government, if not more, um, that has a lot of money, and no one knows where it goes. And a law was passed a few years ago, um, I believe in 2011, uh, stating that non-for-profit organizations have to publish what they do with the money. So make sure there's no corruption, uh, make sure that it's actually a non-for-profit organization, uh, general rules. Uh, but there was an exemption put in the law for any uh, Ottoman organizations that predate the country. This causes a major issue. And finally, it has been decided um, and signed by the current minister of justice, that they will have to be transparent and f- abide by the law, just as anyone else. But a stipulation was made that their fund for um, strikes is going to be exempt from that. That's a little complicated to see that they're not doing any illegal actions there, so that the government won't know how much money they have in the funds for a strike, so they won't hold out for another four days and they crash. That being said, this is a very good move that should have happened a very long time ago.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I sit here and I try to think every time we break up those topics, you know, so so we tend to disagree on a lot of things, but we also do have an agreement on a lot of things. And anytime I feel like we know we're preparing for an episode and I see that we really agree on the topic, I, I really look through to try to find the counter argument. And then I present that, which is why a lot of times I'll present arguments on this podcast which might not be my personal view, but they're challenging the, the conversation to truly try to be intellectual and try to get to the best debate possible. And I really have a hard time thinking about it. I cannot find a reason, and I want to meet the person to sit across from me and say, they should not have to file taxes. And I'm not talking about the payments of taxes. I mean, file their papers to show what they're spending their money on. They're not-for-profit organizations, as I believe you mentioned, that people are forced to pay into them, okay? I, I, if I am a teacher in this country, I have to give money. To this organization, and I am zero transparency on what's being spent with that money, and I think that it is only a positive thing, something that should have been done till now. And if you're going to ask this, some of you, asking why it hasn't been done till now, for unfortunate pure politics, for the fact that these these organizations are full of power and power eager, and because they fund a lot of these politicians and their and their campaigns, therefore the, the politicians are scared to make this move. But once they don't have that leverage. I think this is an incredible move that if it passes, and well, it, it has, but if it stands, it will only cause good things. And, and I think that should be pushed forward. And if one of our viewers or anyone else has a counter argument, I would more than love to have them on. We would love to hear their view and maybe challenge that decision.
1: Part of their issue is that the unions ha- are, it's a two-way street with the government. They, they don't want to get rid of them because they fund their campaigns and then the government in turn funds
0: the unions. That doesn't give an excuse, I want someone of the union to sit here and explain to me as a citizen and to the citizens of the government, of, not the government, of the country, how this is not a good thing.
1: So uh, they believe that they know better, that they protect the general teacher. They pre- they, they Wait, no, 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 that,
0: that's a conversation of whether or not you should force to pay. I think that's horrible as well, but that's a different conversation. It doesn't mean I should still be transparent of what you're doing with it. That's fine, you know better, but why can't I know what it is that you know better?
1: Great. Uh, hopefully someone can uh, come on and hopefully explain it to us. Now, on to taxes. So, as we know, uh, Corona was very expensive. Uh, between all of the tests and the vaccines and unemployment and um, paying for uh, pension, uh, which is a whole other issue, which we'll discuss at a different date, um, the deficit has grown very large and we need to start dealing with it. Uh, to be responsible a country as such um there are only two options to stand in front of a government either you slash the budget or you raise taxes now slashing the budget is very difficult in this type of economy in this type of government because this type of government is formed by many different factions who need to please their base with the fact that they're in this government and therefore they're going to get payoffs in the things that they want Each one's gonna insert into the budget something that they want, and then they'll get paid off, and the government stands. For example, um, the Arabs getting fifty billion shekel to deal with things. Um, Everyone gets their payoff. So the second solution is raising taxes. Now the issue that they found is they promised on many, many, many occasions that they will not raise taxes. So what's their solution? They're not raising taxes. They're making new taxes. Everyone gets a tax. So here we're gonna go through some of their new taxes um, <clears throat> there's going to be a tax on any plastic wear. plastic wear is going to become very very expensive it's going to be uh it's a complicated calculation but it comes out to around 40 percent tax on plastic um it can be more dep- or less depending on the size and actual item but <clears throat> this makes plastic wear very expensive for individuals Um, It's supposed to try to, A, raise money, B, um, be green, as to force the citizens uh, to uh, use normal wear, and not plastic wear, to preserve the environment.
0: Um, So I think that there's so many issues with this tax, okay? Um, The one issue would be that it's, you're basically getting into my... It's just an unfair tax because what would be your claims for it? You'd say it's for your health, right? I'm sorry, um, um the for, for the environment, right? That was the the coke tax. We'll discuss that in a second. Well, uh, you know, so for the environment, but there's a lot of things that are for the environment. So so you know, you're you're coming and claiming you're saying I'm taxing plastic, but I'm not taxing other things which are good for the, which are for the environment and and which which could be done in the same bill. And that I think is un is un. Uh, just to make a decision like That's that. That's not
1: fair because they are doing other taxes on the environment. They're attempting to do a uh, CO2 tax. Uh, they are attempting to do different taxes on the environment.
0: And, and, and mainly connects to the fact that it really hurts the, the, the weakest population in this country. Both are the weakest populations. Okay? So it hurts the Arab populations and the ultra-Orthodox ultra population, which are the poorest populations in this country. And it directly hurts them as much as possible because they are the ones that use plastic wear the most. And I think that it's also a plastic where which is uneducated. What does that mean? Um, Uneducated is the word it's using. So what I'm saying is if you take all of this plastic where you told me this law was that there's a tax of 40% of plastic and 100% of that money goes into education of the environment an education of recycling and education for therefore I still would be against the tax in general but I would somewhat understand I would say you're not just trying to get money and you're trying to get money on the weakest population of the government of the, of the country you are trying to make the country greener so you're gonna tax something which hurts the environment and use that money to educate people to be better about the environment but well, that's fungible right so now. that's not fair no it shouldn't be fungible Money's it's always fungible. No, it, no, because it clearly, the money you were
1: gonna spend on um, education for them, you can now spend on rockets. Money's fungible. No,
0: no, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It's a sum. If this tax brings you another x amount of money, that money has directly should be going into education of environment or uh, recycling thing, whatever, whatever other environmentally friendly thing you decide to use it in. It cannot be used to the general government, uh, uh, pool. But
1: then they can't pay all the debt that we have back uh either way it's not a great tax and it also hasn't been proven to be effective in other countries um for example france has this and england and it hasn't proven to be that effective it just hurt the price of living for the weakest population let's move
0: on to the other taxes
1: next test is legally called also the coca-cola tax which is pretty much a sugar tax Um, for any sugary drinks it's going to be uh, up to 1.3 shekels
0: for every uh (laughs) <laughs> liter of a drink that is sugared. Okay, so wait, we need to specify. It's not accurate It's not just sugary drink It's a sweetened drink which means by the way that Diet Coke and Coke Zero will also be taxed Which
1: are sp- stipulated by name and law Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero both also be taxed
0: Okay, so basically the idea would be I'd still be against it, but you could say sugar is dangerous Therefore sugar will be taxed therefore a sugarless drink which uh, Coke Zero is no sugar, would not be taxed, but it's not, it's all sweetened drinks will be taxed.
1: So, A, stop trying to tell me what to do. We are you free people with agency. You're trying to get me to be healthy. With all due respect, piss off. It's not the government's job to make me healthy. You are an adult person with agency, with your own choice,
0: and you don't get to try to force me to be healthy. So but the, the, the counter-argument to that is that it's a matter of health, okay, which means that you don't have the right because you are in a country that has public um, uh, medical care, which means that if you end up treating yourself badly, end up getting diabetes, end up getting, becoming obese, it's going to cost in the country a lot of money that you aren't healthy. Now, I, I'm okay with that claim, okay? I'm not saying I'm okay with you telling me how to do it, but I'm okay with the fact that in general, different than a lot of places, no, if you end up being unhealthy, it affects my money. Okay. The difference is, and this is where the claim I was trying to make before, but it's stronger here, is this is just a game of of, of decision of who you're attacking right now. What does that mean? This is sugared. Wait, so this isn't okay, but pizza is fine, but hamburgers with red meat is okay? So you're just deciding on a day-to-day what products right now are unhealthy, therefore you're taxing them more? Putting a health tax on food products is a virtually endless cycle of the unhealthy foods right now we're going to go through. And and it's really not a statement you can make that, you know, as you were saying, when it comes to the environment, I can maybe accept that, you know, we're trying to target everything we can. We're starting off one thing at a time. No, that's not the goal here. You're specifically targeting a certain thing, which once again targets the weaker population of the country, and not targeting any other food product that's also unhealthy.
1: It actually helps the weaker population in the country, um, surprisingly. Not, well, one of the weaker sects. Um, This is in a report by uh, the Vaquero Medina. Uh, whose job it is to uh, say when the government's doing wrong things? It's a complicated job. Maybe we'll get to it at a different time. Uh, he stated that this will most likely cause a massive influx of illegally imported drinks from uh, the Arab, uh, from the uh, from the Palestinian Authority, which we already see is an issue. But uh, it's going to go from having some tax on it to most likely having no tax on these drinks. He co- all of these drinks will be brought in and sold illegally, um, which is a major issue uh, that they're going to have to deal with. Either way, I don't like them taxing people's health, and uh, this is going to hurt Coke immensely, up to 20% of their profits, they assume. Uh, and They're going to fight it with their lobbyists very, very hard.
0: Okay, so the next tax is a Netflix tax, okay, which basically is a 17% tax on all uh, virtual, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, digital, uh, uh, services. Um, digital services. Digital and, services, and then it's a tax. Another, like, this, this one, there's not much to discuss. It's just literally, this is another excuse to try to get money and tax people. There used to be a TV tax, a television tax in Israel, and now they're going to tax this. There's not much to say. It's just another excuse for tax.
1: It's just going to force anyone with an American credit card to just pay with an American credit card instead of paying with the Israeli one. And the, and well, no, the tax you, no if you go
0: to a hotel in this country as a citizen, even if you pay with any credit card, if you have a... If, if you die, pay, to it it you will have to pay
1: the tax. You cannot... They can't force an American company to uh, tell them about it. So if you pay with an American credit card through an American site, you're done. You won't get taxed on it. It's only if you pay with an Israeli credit card that's going to happen automatically. it's still
0: tax. It's still just going to make the product more expensive. Um, and the last one really is uh, for Bitcoin... There's a taxation here that if you hold more than 200,000 shekels of Bitcoin, it's not a tax, you will have to, um, um, how do you say it? File taxes. You'll have to file, basically file taxes. Right now there's no of paying taxes, but that's the next stage, which basically means you'll have to file taxes on all Bitcoin being held over 200,000 shekels. Which if you remember the old concept of that was Bitcoin was going to give you a secure and private way to hold your money. Without the government intervening with it. And the government saying no these are the major taxes there are of course
1: more there are always more um but these are the major issues and they're going to they hurt them publicly because they're they attempted to do this as a way to raise money raise taxes without raising taxes but what i believe they fail to realize is these are things that are going to piss off every voter of theirs people paying going to buy a can of coke and realizing it is more expensive for them Going to buy plastic for a party with their children is going to be more expensive. It's going to hurt them. And unless this was the deal so that they can get their reforms passed, I think this is a bad move. I believe that slashing the budget would have been a better option. Happen to believe that slashing the budget is always the better option. But again, that's neither here nor there. One other thing that they are saving money on, which is a good thing, they are shutting down useless um, positions in uh, the government. They're shutting down um, five different uh, government uh, branches uh, that were created in the previous massive government to try to appease different uh, ministers. Um, and they're shutting all them down and merging them into existing uh, positions to try and save money and to uh, get rid of useless waste. So our next reform is the reform in the kashors. Um Before we get to the actual reform, Let's just go over how the kashas is currently handled in the country. So the kosher is currently handled in the country by the um, head rabbit. It. Um, they give koshers to uh, stores so that they can uh, post a sign that they are kosher. Um, it is in- very expensive for stores to do this uh, for different uh, organizations. Therefore, it's very, uh, a lot of them don't do it. They also have very strict rules that aren't for everyone or they're not good enough for karate's. Um, so different organizations uh, decided to also give kashrus, but they weren't allowed to be called kosher if they had only those kashruses and not the rabbinut. For example, um, there was a Kosher of tzohar that came up against the rabbinut, and there is a kashrus of charedim of badatz beit yosef, which also supplies a kashrus just in a different version to the rabbinut. Um, before we get to the actual issues with the current rabbinites, let's discuss what the proposed solution is.
0: So before you propose, you discuss the actual solution, I'm trying to understand and, and you're going to discuss it when you go through the solution. But what is really the difference between what you have right now? You know, you're going to say right now we have one organization that gives the official kosher, And then you have other organizations that are giving unofficial kashrists. But if I think that the rabbis of Tzohar are good rabbis that I believe in, so I can eat what they are approving. And if I think that the, uh, you know, Badats, which is the ultra-Orthodox rabbis are accepted, which is what the, the ultra-Orthodox go by... Then great. So they could have that costress and not the rabbit at costress, what's the problem?
1: So the problem is that um, a few things. Number one, we want the ability for people to get cost to be as easy as possible and as cheap as possible. It shouldn't cost the people who owns a restaurant or small mom and pop shop bakery, um, to be costing them and, and so much money for them to be kosher we want someone who's opening a bar in Tel Aviv which is not the heart of a Jewish of a major or religious community for food that's kosher essentially kosher for it to be easy for him to make a kosher um, establishment because it'll just be simpler for him than going and um, not doing kosher so people who uh, keep kosher can't uh, go and to his establishment that being said one second that being said one of the other big issues is if you use soil uh, but don't use the, um, the normal rabbit, you cannot call your place kosher legally. You will get fined or even shut down in some cases and told you can't open the store with that sign that it says kosher. And that is a big issue to
0: some of the stores. So why don't you explain the uh, the proposal itself? and then Because I don't see how this will save money for the people, but why don't you go through it and we'll see. So, um...
1: The proposal is proposed by uh, Matan Kahana, who is uh, from the Yamina party and currently uh, the Minister for Religious Affairs. Um, And the proposal states as follows, that they would like to divest uh, um, the powers of kashrus from uh, the rabbinate. They will go to private organizations that will supply kashrus, um, and they will make sure that all these places are kosher according to standards set by the rabbinate. And the Rabbit will become more of a regulator. They will do surprise inspections and such um, that um, make sure that they're holding up to the standards that are set. In private organizations. Yes, um, although the, it's still unclear whether or not there will still be a minimum standard set by the Rabbit or whether each organization will completely set its own. Um, it's still up for debate and not clear what the exact. Uh, protocol will be Uh, but most likely there will be base standards set by the rabbinate and then each organization will slightly deviate from that um, to be more mahma or less Uh, and on top of that what it causes is now I'm going to compete for you to come to me for kashrus because I want I'm going to make it cheaper for you I'm going to make it more productive I'm going to try to I'm going to if you want me to come more I'll come more um, but making sure that I'm still kosher is going to be the rabbit at regulating all, all of my uh, uh, activities and doing surprise inspections, including fines and losing your license as such um, to make sure that it is simple and easy for uh, restaurant owners to get kosher on their products.
0: Okay, so... Now, now I want to go back to my issue when it says about what you're thinking will cost the actual, uh, you know, uh, thing. Now, the problem we have today is that they, the consistent problem is if I want to have, so I, let's say I have the kashrus of the rabbinate, okay? But then I also need to have the kashrus of the of badatz, because the ultra-orthodox won't buy if it doesn't have badatz. And I need to have this type of kashrus of Rav uh, Machbud, if I want to have a certain, uh, you know, uh, a population buy for me. Those all exist. Let's say this whole process goes through perfectly, and all the kashrus works the way it is, you're going to have the same issue. Because you're still going to have the problem of, I don't, I don't care if it's signed kashras. I'm going to say I only buy it if you have the private company of, but that's doing it under the rabbinate, And I'm only going to do it if you're going to have the under company. So I could still end up having a rabbinate kashras that I'm still paying three different private organizations.
1: Yes, um, but instead of paying those three private organizations, imagine you now have, um, let's say we have a standard for badats. That's the, that's the issue. I want to eat by you only with that standard. Now, but that is currently the only one who holds that standard because the only one who have permission to make a at all. But let's say tomorrow, there's more people who come up and they hold to the same standard. And they want to do it for cheaper. That's the general idea. The free market will allow them to do it for cheaper.
0: No, because it's not a matter of free market right now. No, it it's is. It's a matter of the trust in those rabbis. So if the if it's same like, standards. If badats, if there's no, you can't compete with badats because the ultra orthodox community will only eat what has badats. I don't care if you have a thousand
1: other kashras. No, because it could be made by, it, it, you could get the to by the same standards that those rabbis set. That's the idea. Yeah, you know it doesn't work like that. You're going to convince them that it's the same and standard. And they're not the issue.
0: But even, that's the even point. Even at this
1: point, we're, they were never the issue because they won't eat by the rabbinate anyway.
0: They weren't the point. Your problem was the rest of the population. Yes, but right now, when I don't go and I don't eat at a place that has kosher Tsar, so even though you want to excuse me honestly, I'm sure they're probably better at their kosher than the rabbinate. Okay? And they take it more seriously. But I still won't eat at a kosher Tsar because it's not kosher by the rabbinate. But that's an ideological reason. It's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a religious reason. I'm not saying I, to come and say that a restaurant that is has kosher so is not kosher is weak, okay? It's, it's a weak claim that there's anything that's not purely kosher in that statement. The idea is that if it doesn't have a kosher of the rabbinate of the country, then I won't eat there because you should have kosher by the rabbinate. To claim that it's not kosher is very difficult. And I think that that's what I'm saying. It doesn't, you know, tomorrow, so if I right now, some people do eat in sohar kosher, but I won't eat a sohar kosher. Tomorrow, I'm going to eat a sohar kosher that has the rabbinate signature on it. Maybe. It's
1: not the rabbit's signature. It's a regulator. They don't come and sign. It's all siding. That's the difference.
0: It's... Which it's means that if I don't eat a tzara today, there's no reason I should eat a tzara tomorrow.
1: Well, no, because you're only not eating for ideological reasons.
0: Which means that you're only solving a very, very small population, which is just not eating in places for ideological reasons. And you're solving bureaucracy, which is
1: a major issue. It's very difficult to get a cautious currently. Okay. And it's not just the population. It's making it easier for the restaurant owners. Okay. But we'll come back to it more as more and more details emerge on this plan and as it gets uh, through.
0: And with that, we will conclude our episode. We hope you enjoyed. Thank you for listening in. We remind you that you can listen to us on all podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all others. Remind that you can email us for any questions or debates you have or topics you'd like us to discuss at hwga.pod.gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. This is Here We Go Again.